0: Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, the Lions have made it to the NFC Conference Championship game for the first time since uh, 1991, so it's it's certainly been a little while for them. And, you know, uh, I look at the Lions, and they've drafted well in recent years, but they did take a kind of a cast-off quarterback in Jared Goff, who the Rams felt they needed to move off of to win. They didn't think he was bad, just not a Super Bowl caliber. So, is, were they right about him, or can the Lions make that next step?
1: I don't know. I have a weird feeling about this game. The 49ers have not played well mm-hmm. for a while. Um, you know, they, they had that mid-season surge where it was like, okay, they're the best team in football, best roster, best skill position players, Purdy's playing like an MVP. You know, wow. Then the Ravens came in, destroyed them on their home field. Then they, had a, you know, they beat the Commanders, who stunk. Then they didn't play their starters, many of their starters, in the last week of the regular season. They lost that game. And then they looked horrible for a half against uh, the Packers for pulling out in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They really haven't been impressive for a while. Now, they're certainly they're really good. They can turn on at any point. But I think the Lions can give them a real game. What, and as you said, mm-hmm. Jared Goff was, you know, Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick's defense shut him out. I covered that game. Mm-hmm. And remember, that was an offense – that was really more about Todd Gurley, the running back, than it That's was right. about their passing offense. Yep. Todd Gurley got hurt. They couldn't run the ball. Belichick just you know, just ate him up. Mm. Uh, but if Gurley had been healthy, Goff might have won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Mm. Uh, McVay wanted it to become, once Gurley got to a, you know, broke down, he wanted it to be more of a passing offense, and he thought that Stafford could do what he wanted, could make more special plays than Goff, and he was right. Mm-hmm. You know, Stafford won a Super Bowl, and one of the key passes in the game was a no-look pass that nobody else would even try, other than maybe Mahomes. So he was right about him. It doesn't mean that Goff can't win a Super Bowl. It just meant at that time he he thought Stafford would be better for that offense, and of course he was right about that.
0: Yeah, they went on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Let's talk about the other marquee matchup among quarterbacks uh, this weekend, last night's game between the Bills and uh, Chiefs. Does it say more about Patrick Mahomes that he was able to go in there and win? Or, you know, I thought uh, Josh Allen played terrific. I don't know what else he could do. They were dropping passes on him and so forth. But yet again, comes up short against Chiefs and Mahomes.
1: I felt like the beginning of that game, it felt like a Bills victory. They were Mm -hmm. playing well. uh, They had home field advantage. And it just felt like they were running the ball. They were doing pretty much whatever they wanted to do. And I just think you saw some football genius there. Mm -hmm. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes figuring it out in real time how to – completely flip the game around and dominate the rest of the way. And once they figured out what the Bills were trying to do, they just they, they, they played great. And the, the Bills are very good, and Josh mm-hmm. Allen is very good. And if Stephon Diggs holds on to a perfect yes. 50, 60-yard pass downfield, uh, the Bills might win that game. So I'm not going to knock Josh Allen. I thought he played great. Yep. Zero sacks, zero interceptions against a very good defense under incredible pressure. So I don't think there's a negative for Josh Allen. I just think that Patrick Mahomes is maybe the best we've ever seen.
0: What did you make of the fake punt called there by uh, the Bills coach?
1: I'm, I mean, it worked. It's hard to rip a guy when they – and obviously for it to work, they had to scout it out really well. Uh, it's just always weird to me when you take a great quarterback off the field and let some special teamer determine the game like that.
0: Yeah. And then it was, uh, you know, a short field and gave up points too, to to the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, uh, Kansas City moves on to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, uh, they, they asked him what went on at halftime because apparently, you know, they didn't play well offensively. The first half defense was killing it, special teams touchdown. And the guys said, yep, Lamar got into us at the half. And, uh, boy, it worked because they just dominated.
1: Yes, and also really interesting to me that both number one seeds – uh, took it easy the last week of the regular season, had the week off, and neither of them, two of the best offenses, two of the best coaches in the league, neither of them did anything offensively in the first half of their of their first playoff game. Mm-hmm. They really did look rusty. Second half, you know, the Forty ers pulled it out with a desperation rally. Ravens obviously dominated once they got it going. But man, both teams look rusty. And I don't know if that's the lesson that will will uh... you know carry over from this season, or whether people forget that. But man. Uh, you gotta play football to be good at football. You just mm-hmm. do. Yep. Uh, I thought Lamar was fantastic. I think that's a really good team. I just almost feel for them they gotta they gotta get past Matt Patrick Mahomes to to have it be considered a you know a worthwhile season.
0: Yeah. I uh, I haven't had a chance to read your column yet up this morning talking about Kirk Cousins. Uh, tell us about your column a little bit.
1: Basically I point out that uh, you know, if Cousins had stayed healthy this year, and the Vikings have won nine or ten games, which they probably would have if he'd been healthy, mm-hmm. and gone to the playoffs and gotten beat by a superior team. I think that the perception around football be like, okay, Mark just typical Kirk Cousins can't you know can't elevate a team in the postseason, can't win a playoff game. Uh, nice quarterback to have for regular season, but you just don't really you know, he's not the big game quarterback you would really covet. Mm-hmm. Instead, he gets hurt. We see three other quarterbacks absolutely fail to run the offense anywhere near. The efficiency he runs it, and the Vikings don't make the playoffs. And now all of a sudden, every team that needs a quarterback is being rumored to, to want Kirk Cousins, including if Belichick goes to the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just fascinating. I think his reputation is actually better today because he got hurt than it would have been had he just had a really good season and not won a playoff game.
0: Mm-hmm. That is interesting. So you, you obviously were there when the first time he signed. It seems like I remember that he was. Considering the Jets and other teams, there was all kinds of rumors swirling, and then the Vikings gave him a fully guaranteed deal, which had never happened before. Uh, for his contracts, he's looked for the most money, but you kind of feel like maybe that's not the case this time, huh?
1: I don't know. Um, the way he put it was hey, you know, I've made a lot of money. I this, this contract doesn't have to be about the money, but, you know, it also matters what the money represents. And what he's saying there is. Players have a certain amount of pride about where they stand compared to their peers. Uh, they don't want to be embarrassed by their contract. They don't want to be they don't want to be insulted by the offer. And now, listen, those of us who work for a living, uh, you know, we can't imagine being insulted by a twenty-five million dollars year <laughs> offer, kind of ever. we don't live in their world. Yep. Uh, they live in a world of agents, players, associations, alliances, um, and you know, there's an expectation that you're going to move the move the The sticks forward for everyone in football. So I don't know what Cousins wants, Hmm. and I don't know what he's going to accept. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's easy to say, hey, why don't you just take $25 million and you'll have a winning team. Um, But I think it's really hard for somebody like Cousins to say, I'm going to take a lot less money than Daniel Jones.
0: (laughs) Right. That's right. And that's what it becomes when you you are making tens of millions of dollars a year. It becomes almost a statistic, right? How much you make. Right. I want to rank myself above the others. We do that by comparing salaries. So uh, it's unfortunate uh, for the owners that whoever is the latest winds up getting the big deal. How much is Jordan Love going to get now that he showed so well this season?
1: I think he's going to get a lot of money, and I think he deserves it. Yeah. Um, I'm really, listen, they lost, and they lost a game they probably could have won with just a little bit sharper play. But man, um dr- I think Jordan Love proved himself second half of the season. I think Matt LaFleur really proved himself the last second, second half of the season. Mm-hmm. The young position players started, uh, skill position players, started coming on and looking great. Uh, you know, no guarantee. It's never as simple as, okay, you're good, and therefore you're going to be good for a long time. Mm-hmm. But they are very promising, and I thought LaFleur really distinguished himself as an excellent coach this year.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been tracking the public ballots, Hall of Fame ballots, uh, that have been made public so far, and uh, kind of following it through the Athletic and one other site. I can't quite remember. But uh, uh, he's like at 83%. Now, I don't think even half of the ballots have been made public, so there's a lot of voting yet. But boy, it sure looks good for Maurer to go in on the first ballot. That'd be great for him.
1: Yeah, I'm writing about him for tomorrow's paper. I think he will get in, I think he deserves to get in. Uh, And I think the modern voter. Has gotten over, you know, one of the, a couple of the sticking points for kind of the generation before me and then the generation I covered baseball with. Back then, people really wanted you to hit certain milestones to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, 3,000 hits, 300 wins, whatever it was, 500 home runs. And they also wanted, they really cared about longevity. You know, don't do it for eight, 10 years. You really got to be good for a long, great for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think we've, I think the voters, have kind of gotten over both of those things. I think they realize that you know longevity just doesn't exist for a lot of players the way it once did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to be an explosive athlete these days to be successful, and it's harder to maintain. And I think that I think they've gotten past the uh, you know reaching milestones. I think they've also gotten past the longevity part. They think, uh, I think what you're seeing now with Oliva, with I think Maurer, with Puckett to offer the the local angles. You know, if you were great for 10 years and you really proved that's who you were, then maybe they don't hold it against you if you decline later because of injuries.
0: We'll find out tomorrow about 4 o'clock, if indeed he's into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports with Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.